educating, informing, entertaining. The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. And welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Dan Parsons Show. It is 5.09, Tuesday, August 1st. Wow, what happened to July, Johnny? We're uh, up and running. Say hello to producer extraordinaire Johnny Cadillac. It is great to be here as always, ready for... Ready for a jam-packed show and, of course, a Dan good time. There we go. We got that out of the way early. Well, uh, yeah, and I'm a little less jet-lagged uh, today, Johnny, so that's uh, that's that's the good news. <laughs> but, yeah, educate, inform, and entertain. Uh, not a lot of shouting, not a lot of grandstanding. We like to build up instead of tear down. Uh, truth over tribalism, uh, principle over partisanship, and today, more than ever, facts over hyperbole. Uh, and remember, if you miss a show, you can always find us uh, on your favorite uh, podcast platform or just go to klin.com. Uh, well, it is my pleasure to, ri- to introduce Richard Moberly, the dean of the UNL uh, College of Law. Richard, welcome to the uh, Dan Parsons Show. Great to be here, Dan. Appreciate yeah. you having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I, uh, uh, in talking with Richard on the phone the past couple of weeks, I told him, as I've teased out on the show here the past uh, few weeks, uh, knowing that we're going to continue to have legal, uh, that the former President Trump is going to be in legal jeopardy and continue to uh, have uh, be in court, uh, the Trump trials, if you will, uh, I was looking for someone uh who could talk about the facts of these case uh of these cases and so i reached out to richard uh finding someone in academia really fit my profile richard of having someone on uh cuz you can find you can find plenty of places on cable news and other radio programs across the country uh that places partisan partisanship above uh uh you know and and hyperbole uh, instead of facts, and so I appreciate you being willing to come on and and chat about uh, uh, former President Trump and some of the legal challenges he's facing. Well, I'm, I'm part of the reason I'm coming on is because that's your approach. So yeah. I appreciate it too. Yeah. So thanks well, for having me. Well, thank you. And little did we know, 20 minutes before airtime, that uh, uh, the next indictment would hit. And I, I have so- to say, Dan, when you told me about this. The agreement was I'd have plenty of time to prepare. You'd give me the topics ahead of time. Uh-huh. I could look into it, and then I walk in, and 20 minutes ago, we got boom, this new indictment. Boom, chakalaka. Here we are. Well, uh, well, let me just, uh, Richard, if we will, just kind of set up. You've been at the, uh, you were appointed uh, the College of Law's 17th dean uh, back in 2017. Uh, you law degree from Harvard uh, back in 1998. Uh, and your research interests include employee whistleblower protections uh, in the law of secrecy. Uh, you've been published in uh, several uh, publications uh, and book chapters on whistleblowing. Uh, you've spoken internationally on whistleblower protection. Uh, you've edited the International Handbook on Whistleblower, uh, Whistleblower Research. And you've been asked by the United States Secretary of Labor. uh, You were twice appointed uh, to a whistleblower protection advisory committee. uh, And you've testified in front of Congress on that topic as well. So fill in the blanks that I missed, Richard. Well, most of that was actually pre-dean days. Since I've been dean, I've been uh, a little too busy to kind of engage in the research and scholarship I did before. I've done some. I've written some books on evidence. I teach evidence uh, at the law school. But we've had a great run uh, at the law school over the last That's seven great. years, I think. We've um, done a lot of 
interesting things for our students, uh, changed our educational program, really focused on leadership and advancing justice. Um, our faculty are solving important problems. So the College of Law is in a great place right now. That's great. Well, uh, I've been fascinated with law, uh, as I've talked on the air uh, before about my fascination with politics. Uh, I got started uh, early on. And again, this is the reason I want to factually uh, talk about uh, these ch legal challenges to former President Trump, because this is a historic moment. I mean, in the 234 years of our nation's history, no American president or former president has been indicted either on state or federal charges. And now uh, this is number three, uh, as we found out just a few minutes ago. Right. Number four is probably coming in Georgia. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, again, I got involved in politics when I was just a young lad uh, because of Watergate. And uh, we've talked about that on the show a lot. But uh, um, uh, I was trained as a journalist at the UNL, UNL College of uh, Journalism School. and uh, But I did, I always tell people, I did work for a short time in the state attorney general's office office and uh, I always tease people no I as the old saying goes uh, I, I don't have a law degree I don't, I'm not an attorney but I played one on TV from time to time so <laughs> but no I've always been fascinated with the law and um, I appreciate I appreciate facts and again being trained as a journalist um, you know that's kind of where I go to is facts and I, I hope more and more of us uh, we'll examine uh, these charges, and and uh, because the president is uh, presumed innocent, obviously, until uh, uh, a, jur a, a jury of his peers decides uh, his fate. And we're at a very early stage. Very, very. These early. indictments come at a relatively low bar. You know, probable cause to have committed these crimes, um, and there's a lot of work stuff to be done uh, before a jury trial happens, and we find out how that plays out. Yeah. Yeah. And again, the most unprecedented, not only has there never been a president or former president indicted, uh, but my goodness, uh, this election year that's coming up is just going to be the most bizarre uh, political situation that we've ever seen in our lifetimes. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually think about over the next nine, 12 months and, you know, being a, a criminal defendant is a lot of work. Right. I mean, he's going to be working with a lot of attorneys in him. In one case, yeah, let alone in one three case, or four. One, three or four. And and to think, you know, we've already seen some of the scheduling issues with the Florida case. They've had to kind of have a conversation of when that trial was going to occur. And now we'll have another one in this uh, D.C. case, this most recent one. And how uh, a candidate for president can balance all of those things yeah. will be fascinating to watch. Yeah, it will be. Well, we're glad you're tuned in, and uh, again, we, we want to continue to educate and inform and hopefully do it in a way that's uh, somewhat entertaining. Well, let me just, Richard, let me just read uh, this headline from Reuters uh, just a few minutes ago as we were walking into the stadium, uh, into the stadium. <laughs> I feel like we're in a stadium. I wish I had the tunnel walk. Why didn't, why didn't you have that playing for me? Uh, next time. Next uh, time. We don't okay. do that All on right. the first time. Okay. Uh, this is from Reuters. Uh, Donald Trump on Tuesday was hit with criminal charges for a third time in four months, uh, this time arising from efforts to overturn his 2020 U.S. election defeat as he campaigns to regain the presidency next year. The four-count indictment alleges Trump conspired to defraud the U.S. by preventing Congress from certifying President Joe Biden's victory and to deprive voters of their right to a fair election. 
And uh, so, Richard, I, I warned you, this goes pretty fast. we got uh, about a minute 30 here before we take our first break. But um, in, in the quick time that you've had to maybe look at this, what uh, what strikes you, what sticks out for you? Well, a couple of things. Uh, again, very quick overlook. There's six conspirators out there who have not been named yet. Uh, so that will be interesting to see when those indictments come out and when the, those people are named. Um, in terms of the violating, kind of in, interfering with the right to vote, it looks like they're really looking into a lot of the um, statements and conversations that uh, former President Trump and his uh, affiliates had with people in Georgia and Arizona, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. So, you know, so maybe the most famous of those, or at least the ones that sticks in my mind, are the, the call to the Georgia Secretary right. of State asking him to find 11,780 votes. But these other ones, too, all of these efforts to try and have uh, fake electors and other things, uh, so-called fake electors, uh, come to Congress. Yeah, yeah. Well, we will dig into that a little bit more. We're visiting with uh, Richard Moberly, the dean of the UNL School of Law. And so stay with us uh, on this breaking news day uh, with the next indictment of former President Trump. We'll be right back after these short messages on 1499.3 KLIN. You're listening to The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. Hey, welcome back. Uh, welcome back to Breaking Tuesday. Uh, breaking news. If you're just uh, joining us, uh, former President Donald Trump has been indicted for a third time, uh, this time by special counsel uh, Jack Smith and the grand jury that he convened in Washington uh, relating to the January 6th uh, insurrection. And we're visiting with Richard Moberly, dean of the University of Nebraska uh, College of Law. Uh, dean Moberly is kind enough to agree to come on the show from time to time to, to talk about uh, uh, the facts in these cases, because you can find plenty of places on cable TV and other radio programs around the country where you get more uh, political commentary than you do facts. And so I want... I want our listeners to be as educated and informed as possible as these uh, trials continue to uh, uh, pop up for the former president. So, uh, Richard, uh, you made a, a comment off air in between break about uh, who some of the uh, uh, main uh, co-conspirators may be in this case. They don't name them in this initial indictment uh, document, uh, but reading between the lines, we can kind of discern, at least from this Reuters story, uh, who some of those people in uh, are. And uh, you made the comment uh, about former president, uh, former Vice President uh, Mike Pence uh, may play a, a vital role in this case. Right. Well, he testified, I believe, before the grand jury. And some of the factual allegations um, in this latest indictment uh, talk about the effort to, I think they use the word enlist the vice president mm -hmm. um, to not certify the election uh, on January 6th. Uh, so I thought that was just an interesting mm -hmm. set of facts that they're bringing that into it as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, and... Uh, and, of course, a, a contender for president in the Republican another, primaries, too, another which is fascinating. For, yeah, and uh, we mentioned, yeah, I won't go into the latest polling, but I've predicted all along uh, on this show that... Uh, uh, no one's going to stop the the former president from getting this nomination, and uh, uh, so we'll see. It's going to be a fascinating, fascinating time. But um, yeah, so the the former vice president, uh, uh, you know, erroneously, who you know, one of the other uh, 
apparent uh, co-conspirators. There's six of them uh, named in this uh, uh, latest indictment. Uh, but it appears to, according to this Reuters story, uh, to describe attorney John Eastman, who erroneously suggested to the vice president that he could object to the certification. Right. And uh, we don't know who the other ones will be. I'd be surprised if one is not Rudy Giuliani, mm-hmm. who is also very vocal mm-hmm. in some of these. And in the allegations, they assert that Trump knew that uh, former President Trump knew that these allegations were false that he was making uh, yeah. about fraud and that the election was rigged and that he knew that. So that, that'll be actually a pretty high burden for the prosecution to have to show. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll have to get into the conversations that were there. And of course, President Trump has used various privileges to try and block those conversations from being disclosed. Those have not been upheld. Uh, so what, the, what conversations he had and when he had them will be interesting to watch as they come out. So this trial will be in Washington, uh, certainly a different venue than, than the Miami case. That's right. Um, I, I assume a, a, a judge may be appointed by a, a, a Democrat president who uh, maybe you think seen... I saw was an Obama appointed okay. uh, judge. That would make sense. Uh, and timeline. Again, that's one of the things that are just fascinating to me. And we've, and let's get into the other case here uh, as we roll along here. But, um, my goodness, I think for the sake of the country to be able to try to, get some of this settled or at least you know more informed uh, before we go to the voting booth um, uh, a year from November well that trial the Florida trial is set for May 20th 2024 there was a lot of conversation about that a few weeks ago and what do you think the chances are that that date will hold well you know some of the what we'll find out is uh, how difficult the um, it will be for the Justice Department to use confidential documents and classified documents in this trial. That's always a point of contention in these classified documents cases. Sure. They're going to have to reveal those. Mm-hmm. And the lawyers for former President Trump will have to um, get approved to use those and get clearances. So there's a lot of back and forth that will have to happen in the next nine months or so. And that alone is going to slow things down just right. by the nature of the of the documents. Um, one of the things that has become front and center in the in the uh, documents case and from Mar Largo uh, is the discussion about the Presidential Records Act and what that means. And and the former president has said some things that are clearly appear to be uh, not accurate. Are, are you able to to describe a little bit about uh, the Presidential Records Act? Well, a little bit. I mean, it's uh, you know the documents that are produced during his presidency are, are not his personal. Uh, documents. Uh, they're required to be kept uh, with the National Archives. Um, you know, as we saw when this first broke, there are other, uh, uh, President Biden had some documents, sure. there are other Vice people who had... Pence had documents. Yes. Yeah. Um, and one of the differences that appears in this case is that those, when they were discovered, were turned over pretty expeditiously. Mm-hmm. And if you read the indictment and the superseding indictment in the Florida case, there was a lot of delay and back and forth on returning those documents. Um, you know, and, and the, the classification power is ultimately an executive branch power. The president has that power. But there is a process. It's a process to, it's a process yeah. to declassify information. Um, so I, I don't know. It's at least never been tested that the president can kind of wave their hand and say this is now declassified and then take it home. Um, and that seems to be what I've, I've you know, read some of those statements that, you know, but former President Trump will often make statements off the cuff like that. And, and so you don't know how well, how well that will play out. A, a fascinating piece of evidence. And again, I think from the superseding uh, indictment that came down last week, I believe, in the documents case, um, 
I think they actually include uh, the 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 war documents, the Iranian war documents that Trump is uh, caught on tape uh, bragging about. A uh, battle plan for yeah. attacking Iran. Yeah. yeah. Johnny, if you have that ready to go, let's just play a little bit of that clip. of uh, This was a, a tape, that um, a recording that the president knew uh, that was being recorded. He was meeting with some publicists uh, about a book that was been being written uh, about one of his uh, former aides. And uh, he's bragging about these documents. And now this is now part of this document's case and will be used as evidence. Johnny? Wait a minute. Let's see here. <laughs> yeah. I just found, isn't that amazing? This totally wins my case, you know. Mm-hmm. Except it is like highly confidential yeah. secret. <laughs> this is secret information. Look, look at this. You attack. And Hillary would print that out all the time, you know. You <laughs> no, should send it to yeah. Anthony Weiner. Yeah. yeah. Um, by the way, isn't that incredible? Though? Yeah. I was just saying, because we were talking about it, and he, he said, he wanted to attack Iran, and what? He's in the papers. This was done by the military, given to me. Uh, I think we can probably, right? We'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to try to figure out a, yeah. See, as president, I could have declassified it, now I can't, you know, but this is Yeah, now we have a problem. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It's so cool. I mean, it's so, I'm looking, we hear and I have and you probably. Yeah, that's so cool. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, one reading, when, when I hear that, you know, I hear some, Recognition that things are classified, that he could have declassified them when he's president, president, but he could no longer because he's no longer president when this tape was made. Um, and he's, and they're clearly related to, um, battle plans and it's highly sensitive information. I, I assume, again, assuming that this does eventually go to trial and, and a jury of his peers gets to hear that, that's, that's got to be pretty, uh, important evidence. Yeah, and of course you don't know what he's waving around, and I have read other statements where he said, you know, I wasn't really actually showing any documents during that time, so that'll have to all get litigated out. Um, you know, Dan, I guess I know we're running out of time, but I guess I would just say, if you're interested in facts on this, um, because of this radio show, I actually went back and read the indictments for the first time, and um, and that was, it was just eye-opening to, to read that. Now, of course, I want to caution everyone. Those are just allegations, yes, and they'll have to be proven up. They'll have to have witnesses. A lot of the witnesses aren't identified in the um, in the indictment, and they'll have to come forward. So, a lot, lot left to be discovered. Well, Richard, thanks for diving in. <laughs> My goodness, we'll uh, we'll do this again if you if you are willing. Uh, let's go to break in the news, and we'll be back after this on fourteen hundred and ninety nine three KLIN. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. 
LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Educating. Informing. Entertaining. The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. And welcome back to the Tuesday Breaking News edition of the Dan Parsons Show. My thanks to Richard Moberly, Dean of the University of Nebraska uh, Lincoln uh, College of Law. Uh, Dean Moberly is uh, uh, kind enough to agree to join us from time to time to talk about uh, really a historic moment in our country. Uh, you know, in the first time in 234 years, uh, no American president or former president has been indicted. Uh, and that changed uh, just back in March uh, when the former president was charged with uh, uh, 34 felony counts in connection with the uh, hush money payments uh, to a porn star uh, in New York State. Uh, and then less three months later, he was indicted again, this time from 37 felony counts for mishandling classified documents uh, uh, in the, uh, that he took from the White House. Uh, and now we find out just a few minutes ago that, uh, as expected, uh, Special Counsel Jack Smith has uh, indicted the former president uh, six counts uh, concerning his attempt to uh, uh, the January 6th uh, insurrection and trying to keep um, uh, from having to leave the White House. Uh, and so... Uh, uh, so anyway, it's a historic sign. So thank you to uh, Richard Moberly. Uh, we'll have Richard back from time to time because this thing isn't going away, folks. Uh, uh, unfortunately, this is the most historic uh, moment that we've ever had in a presidential election. Uh, a former president uh, who has now running uh, for president again, uh, who is now facing a third indictment and soon to probably be a fourth indictment. So... Uh, so anyway, thanks uh, to Dean Moberly for joining us, um, and especially on the fly and uh, evaluating that case um, uh, as we were talking. Uh, so I appreciate that. Well, coming up on tomorrow's show, uh, political reporter Aaron Sanderford uh, is going to join us again from Nebraska Examiner. Uh, Aaron's been kind enough uh, to come on the show a couple times. And, and as our listeners know, uh, my love for journalism, uh, my love for especially local journalism. And uh, so, uh, as you know, we always uh, on Mondays have uh, Flatwater Free Press, the very first nonprofit uh, newsroom in Nebraska. Well, the second nonprofit newsroom in Nebraska uh, came just shortly after Flatwater did a couple years ago, and that's Nebraska Examiner. And so we really appreciate the work that Aaron Sandiford and Paul Hamill and their crew do over there. So here's the topic for our discussion with Aaron tomorrow on the uh, Wednesday edition of the Dan Parsons Show. Uh, the Nebraska Legislature's Education Committee had a three-hour hearing yesterday at the Capitol uh, that devolved uh, at times into, and this is a headline from Aaron's story uh, today, uh, devolved at times into talk of slavery, critical race theory, pornography, and whether philanthropist Bill Gates influences the evolution uh, of of curriculum of K through 12 students. So, uh, so that should be fascinating to hear Aaron's uh, report uh, from the story he wrote about that uh, in. Uh, 
Nebraska Examiner. So check that out uh, in anticipation of our conversation with Aaron uh, tomorrow. So uh, keeping in the theme of uh, politics and elected officials uh, and the presidential election, as I said, uh, this is going to be a historic moment. Uh, A former president uh, running again uh, and uh, under federal and state indictment. And uh, so we've just never seen anything like that. But as I've said before, and I'll continue to say it, uh, I'm not much of a gambling man, but Johnny, if you want to beat, uh, bet me a donut, uh, I'd place a donut on the fact that I believe uh, the former president uh, will get the GOP nomination. Well, if I win this bet, I want something other than a donut because I gave up donuts for my diet. But <laughs> okay. deal. <laughs> well, okay. Well, you name another food item. Maybe a, uh, let's see, uh, some uh, a banana. Okay. Oh, sounds good. <laughs> a healthy fruit. Uh, but no, it's still my uh, prediction. It's not my prediction. It's, uh, uh, I think, becoming fairly clear that uh, uh, former President Trump uh, is on uh, on track to win the uh, Republican nomination. And uh, so this story uh, that came out uh, earlier today, there was a, a poll, I think I quoted from it yesterday, uh, showing the huge lead that uh, uh, the former President Trump has over his Republican challengers. Well, now there's another poll out today, uh, the same company that did that poll from yesterday, uh, that shows that Joe Biden and Donald Trump are tied in a hypothetical rematch uh, at 43% support for their return to the White House in 2024, uh, according to a July poll from the New York Times and Siena College uh, released uh, just today. Uh, When asked who they would vote for between Biden as the Democratic nominee and Trump as the GOPs, uh, both saw 43% support among surveyed uh, registered voters. Uh, Trump saw slightly more support from his base than Biden, uh, with 88% of registered Republicans uh, selecting Trump versus 83% of Democrats choosing Biden. Uh, Independents favored Biden with 42% uh, and 37% uh, for Trump. So like... uh, uh, like a lot of elections, uh, the independents are most likely going to decide who our next president is going to be. So if you want to weigh in on any of this, I'd be fascinated to hear from you. 402-479-1400, text or call. We'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, the latest indictment of the president and um, uh, these uh, poll numbers that uh, are starting to dribble out. And this is really the first polling that I've seen uh, in the uh, uh, 2024 uh, presidential election. Uh, the Democratic Party, again, reading this as a political artic- Politico article from uh, just a few hours ago. Uh, the Democrat Party has coalesced behind Biden, uh, and Trump is dominating in the GOP primary. Uh, so this story from yesterday, uh, just uh, again, uh, predicting that uh, there's nothing that's going to stop uh, President Trump from getting this nomination. Because really, I... I, I don't see, certainly, uh, the current case uh, has been set, as we talked earlier, the uh, documents case, there's been a trial date set for May, and shoot, by May, um, the presidential uh, primaries will virtually be over. I know always, because uh, Nebraska's primary doesn't happen until May, and we seldom have the opportunity in that late uh, May primary to really have much influence over presidential politics. It's just kind of a 
you know, perfunctuary, uh, you know, we go and vote. And obviously there's a lot of important uh, other issues on the on the on the ballot by the time we get to vote in May in the Nebraska primary. But seldom are we uh, have the opportunity to have much influence over the uh, uh, presidential race. So, yeah, by the time that uh, again, assuming that that case does go to trial uh, down in Miami uh, in on that May date that the judge has set, uh, shoot, the uh, presidential primaries uh, uh, will all already be settled. Uh, but this poll that came out yesterday, same group, <clears throat> Trump dominates GOP field, uh, leads DeSantis by 37 points. Uh, former President Donald Trump holds a massive 37-point lead over Florida Gover- Governor Ron DeSantis in the GOP presidential field, a New York Times-Siena College poll found. Uh, Trump dominated the poll released uh, just yesterday on Monday with 54% of likely voters uh, surveyed supporting him. DeSantis followed far behind with 17 points, uh, followed by former Vice President Mike Pence, Senator Tim Scott, U.S. Ambassador Nikki Haley uh, with 3% uh, each. And I read somewhere, maybe it's in this article, that um, there has not been a presidential race uh, that was uh, more than 20 points. Uh, there hasn't been a survey of presidential elections where the uh, the lead was more than 20 points. Uh, have not there haven't been a challenger to overcome uh, that kind of a lead uh, in many 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 years uh, here in America. And that's 20 points. This is a 37-point lead. Now we'll see. Uh, we'll see if uh, any of the uh, <clears throat> any of these legal troubles, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, begin to have an effect on Republican voters and their attitude with the former president. But frankly, uh, in the indict the two indictments that have come down so far, uh, he's actually gained uh, in the polls. And uh, so we'll see what this latest one does. Uh, uh, Dean Moberly was talking uh, about. It, it, there may be a chance that this uh, uh, case in Washington, uh, because it uh, doesn't have the uh, uh, top secret documents uh, to, to delay the case. And uh, so there may be a chance that that case uh, comes along a little quicker, uh, because at this point, again, all we have is voters to rely on uh, are the documents uh, the you know, the indictment documents themselves. Uh, and then anybody that's comment, commenting on the case, uh, certainly the president, uh, the former president, is not, um, you know, he's not bound by uh, <laughs> telling the truth, if you will, uh, about the case. And uh, there's been a lot of hyperbole about, uh, you know, just today uh, in this Reuters story, uh, the president, the former president put out a statement that uh, uh, this reminded him of Nazi Germany and um you know, in a statement, the Trump campaign said, as he uh, has said, he has always followed the law. This is a statement he put out just a little while ago after this latest indictment uh, and characterized the indictment as a political persecution reminiscent of Nazi Germany. So there's that. Well, listen, if you want to chime in, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, text or call 402-479-1400. We'll take this little break and be back to finish up after this on 14. 14- You're listening to The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. 
Hey, welcome back to the Tuesday Breaking News Edition of the Dan Parsons Show. Uh, just a reminder, coming up tomorrow, uh, political reporter Aaron Sandiford with the Nebraska Examiner. We're going to be chatting about a hearing that took place, uh, a three-hour hearing uh, at the state capitol yesterday with the Nebraska's uh, Legislative Education Committee. And, uh, man, they talked about all kinds of things. They talked about uh, slavery and critical race theory and pornography and whether Bill Gates uh, influences uh, curriculum for K through 12 schools. So anyway, we'll get uh, Aaron Sandiford's uh, take on that. He wrote a great story about this uh, uh, hearing yesterday uh, at the state capitol in Nebraska Examiner. So check that out. Well, Anna, thanks for calling in. Do you have a thought about today's show? Yeah, I just um, wanted to say that you know we hear about national news all day and all night every day and I would like to see drive time be more local and state and you know possibly Midwest but you know I think that's the place of drive time you bet I appreciate that Anna uh, thanks for calling in keep uh-huh. listening yeah well um, yeah we we do uh, uh, in fact uh, Johnny as you know we um, we seldom talk about national politics and uh, every Tuesday, we have elected officials on, uh, with the exception of today, uh, from the county board and the city council, and uh, Mike Flood uh, comes on from time to time, our uh, representative in Washington, and and then, of course, on Thursdays, we talk about uh, local business with the Chamber of Commerce and and other business leaders, and so, uh, yeah, but I appreciate your, your thoughts, Anna. Well, in your defense, today we had conversation about a previously elected official, just not in the local scene. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. So, yeah, so that, yeah, we kept with the theme of Tuesday. And, uh, and tomorrow we're going to be talking uh, with a local reporter about uh, our state legislature and a committee hearing that was going on there. So, yeah, no, we don't uh, do a lot of national politics. And uh, I, I just, as, uh, as our listeners have uh, followed along the past three months, I, uh, I'm a bit of a historical bug. I mean, that uh, was a minor of mine in college. Uh, along with uh, journalism and uh, did a little political science uh, study too and so I've always been uh, interested in history and uh, as you may recall I started yapping about uh, my political origin story uh, with uh, Nixon and how I was caught up as a 10 year old kid uh, in in uh, his troubles uh, historic at the time uh, back in the 70s and uh, so anyway I think uh, I think having a, a perspective and again what I want to do when we we talk about uh, this historic moment in our country uh, with former President Trump and these uh, indictments. Uh, first time ever uh, a president or a former president has been indicted. Uh, I, I know you can find uh, people talking about the political perspective, uh, the hyperbole, the uh, you know just the uh, the political aspect uh, of of these cases. You can find that anywhere. You can find it on cable news every night. You can find it on talk radio and other stations. Um, but I hope to bring, when we do talk about uh, this historic uh, indictment of the former president, uh, that's why I've asked uh, Dean Moberly to come on and uh, talk about it from an academic perspective. Uh, what are the facts? And so that's what I hope to provide for our listeners is, is a perspective that um, uh, is based on fact and not uh, uh, not anything else. So, uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, if you've got a thought, I'd uh, love to hear from you. Text or call 402 479 1400. Yeah, who haven't we had on the show from a political perspective that you'd like to uh, hear from? Because, uh, like I said, we try to divide up our time between uh, our city council. 
uh, our county board, our elected leaders in Washington. Uh, we've not had the governor on yet. Uh, I've got an invitation out anytime the governor would like to come on and chat. Uh, we'd love that. Uh, but there's other uh, local uh, elected officials that I think are very, very important to our community. Uh, the uh, Lincoln School Board. Uh, there's several people on the Lincoln School Board that are fascinating people that I've known for years, uh, and, and obviously that impacts uh, not only uh, our day-to-day -day lives of those of us who have kids or grandkids in schools, but as taxpayers. Uh, the Lincoln Public Schools uh, has a very big impact on uh, on our pocketbooks and how we spend our tax dollars. So that's another elected official that we will have on from time to time. Uh, the, the Airport Authority. You know, the airport has been uh, very important and been in the news a lot lately with the new flights uh, uh, here in the city and with the new, uh, and boy, I tell you what, Johnny, I flew out of there, uh, as you know, uh, last week and just flew back in there Sunday. And uh, uh, that new, uh, the new improvements they've made to the airport, are, it just is amazing. But those tax, those are your tax dollars at work. And so, again, I think uh, another elected official that we uh, will invite on from time to time are people from the airport authority. And uh, so, yeah, we will continue to uh, have those local officials on uh, every Tuesday. And, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll dive into the presidential politics from time to time. And, uh, but, yeah, I'd love to hear your perspective, 402-479-1400. And... Uh, yeah, so Johnny, I have uh, gotten some sleep. I don't think I'm as quite as uh, crabby and uh, as I was yesterday. I mean, I didn't think you were crabby yesterday. You were definitely <laughs> tired, but I wouldn't say crabby. At least not when you were with me. We were having a damn good time. We did have a damn good time, and uh, we'll continue to do that. Well, uh, yeah, coming up on the show tomorrow, uh, Aaron Sandiford. If you've not read Aaron's story in the Nebraska Examiner uh, that uh, aired today, uh, or published today, about uh, Nebraska Legislature's Education Committee, uh, and again, talk about uh, controversial issues, um, there have been plenty of controversy around education issues in our state. And so we want to continue to uh, talk about those issues because, again, as a parent or a grandparent or, or just a taxpayer, uh, those issues are important to us in our community. And so we'll continue to, uh, uh, to talk about those. And I'll just remind you as we uh, uh, wind down for the day, uh, follow us on the Facebook and the Twitter, or I guess now, Johnny, it's the X. Uh, do we call it that now? We just call it the X? Do we yeah. call it Twitter? What the heck do we call? <laughs> I'm glad you're bringing this up, because yesterday when I brought it up, it just seemed to be right over your head. But uh, yeah. yeah, as far as I know, it, it's called X, and instead of tweets, they're posts. Oh, the like, so boring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, do follow us, the Dan Parsons Show, on uh, Twitter. And uh, also on Facebook, we love to continue the conversation uh, after hours. And uh, so, yeah, if you don't get a chance to chime in here uh, on the radio live today, uh, we'd love to have you uh, follow us along on the social media channels so we can uh, hear what's on your mind, because those are important channels. Uh, those are important conversations. And I, uh, in my day job of public relations, I rely on those uh, forms of communication to uh to get our clients' messages out. And, and so, yeah, it's, you know, it's the good and the bad, right? I mean, all of us that have been uh, around the social media phenomena for the past however many years we've been doing it now, 10, 12, 15 years maybe, I think I've had my 
uh, Parsons PR, my Ask Dan. I'm Ask Dan the PR man is my uh, personal, pit. well, it's not personal, it's business and whatever. I mix personal uh, with the business on that because, but I've had it for like 12 years now. It's, uh, um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty vibrant. Uh, what's your handle, Johnny, on Twitter? It's uh, at J Cadillac Howell. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, me, I tried to stay away from Twitter, now X, as long as possible. And then when I was in college, I was in some sort of journalism class that we had one project that required us to have Twitter accounts. So I started it and kept it since then. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it, it is. It's an important form of communication, and uh, obviously uh, our politicians use it. And, uh, you know, I got started using Twitter, uh, quite frankly, however long it's been, 10, 12 years ago now, uh, again, to communicate with journalists, because that's my job, my day job of public relations, to get uh, our clients in the news or out of the news, depending on what they need. Um, and so I found that uh, journalists uh, use Twitter, and so that's how we communicate with them. So, well, don't forget, uh, again, I want to thank Richard Moberly, uh, Dean of the UNL uh, College of Law, for joining us, and uh, coming up tomorrow, Aaron Sandiford. So, well, that's the show kids that's a wrap uh we enjoyed uh, coming out of uh, uh the uh, uh the funk of travel and being with you again today that's it uh see you tomorrow on 1499.3 klin